Hi, welcome to the Layman's Journey. Today we'll be taking a look at the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I'm your co-host Raphael, joined as always by James. James here. And James will start us off with the antiphon. Turn your eyes, O God, our shield, and look on the face of your anointed one. One day within your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I really so, like the imagery of God as our shield. I think that's a, a good image. I like it. It's also reassuring, too. Yeah, very powerful. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of the first reading? I thought it was very interesting um, contextually. It just seemed to be mostly pointing at initial theories about the universality of God's church. Mm-hmm. Um, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. That's how it ends. And I think um, this was in the post-Babylonian exile, I believe. And the uh, Israelite people were very exclusive at this point. Um, and I think it's kind of a opening their eyes to the fact that other peoples can be servants of God, I guess. And I, I think that, I think what you mentioned is like, it was really nice, like the universality of the church, right? It's, we have, we even see parts of it in the old Testament, um, even though it's a really more of a, you know, new Testament kind of aspect of it, it seems. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's nice to know that, like this was the intended goal all along, right? Was for everyone to find salvation, not just the chosen people. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a I hadn't noticed it previously in the Old Testament. Um, another line from this reading: "All who keep the Sabbath free from profanation and hold to my covenant, them I will bring to my holy mountain and make joyful in my house of prayer." Because um, yeah, you don't really see so much of that universality message in the Old Testament. It's always um, the the Israelites are God's people, right? Mm-hmm. And um, this reading very clearly is talking about how all can find God by following his covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the leaders of the Israelites at that time, it was kind of almost a, a jealousy that they didn't share the covenant of the Lord. And mm-hmm. that kind of goes back to what we talked about uh, a number of weeks ago about how, you know, we should be excited to share our faith with other people because mm-hmm. of what a blessing it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, peoples at this time in history didn't have that kind of mentality. They, it was like it was their thing, right? They were the chosen people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just an interesting like perspective as, you know, that groundwork for how our mindset is today was set as far back as the prophet Isaiah, right? You know, this mm-hmm. was like the plan all along. It's very interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that like, even though this is the plan, like you're right, it, it does feel like, this covenant with God is very guarded and it's like, it doesn't, 
at least my my understanding of uh, Old Testament history isn't as strong, but like it it does seem like you don't really have points until Jesus of um, them sharing the faith with others. Yeah, and I mean, I I feel the same way, but also I haven't studied it that much, and you know, here we're seeing that that's not always the case. There are examples even in the Old Testament of um, foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. And I think kind of like to rehash what you said, the line of all who keep the Sabbath free is like, there, there isn't anyone that's excluded, right? Like in that line is anyone, as long as you keep the Sabbath and hold the covenant, then you, you'll, you'll find joy, right? It's not like you have to be a specific race or a specific, you know, person to enjoy the covenant or to, you know, enjoy prayer. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's that's about mainly what I got from it. Um, I think it really is kind of a, a reminder or a call to awaken to the people of that time and the leaders of that time that this is something that's meant for all to enjoy, not just the Israelites. And I think kind of like what you said about um, our conversation before, right, is like this is a nice reminder for us too, right, that our faith isn't just for ourselves, right? We can share it with others. And in fact, we should because it's, it's something that, brings us joy so we should be you know helping others bring um, find joy as well right exactly and also just the call to help i mean other people's souls right we, we want everyone to get to heaven and trying to like if we hoarded our catholicism and our belief to ourselves because we're jealous that other people might also get to enjoy god's grace that would not be the christian thing to do right mm. um and that's kind of the perspective that we've been taught since we were born basically um in the context that we live but it's it's different right in the old testament and so i i think this is almost like a new message um to these people so it's just interesting mm. i think that leads really well into the psalm as well Oh God, let all the nations praise you. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, let's see. I think uh, towards the end, um, may God bless us and may all the ends of the earth fear him. I think for me, it's like we have that. I think it's, I think we've had this conversation before, but I think this fear isn't, you know, referring to like that, like, uh, kind of heart-wrenching fear, but more of a healthy respect for God, because all of us, should, you know, should be in awe of His power, right? Because He has dominion over all the earth, and that and that is where all the nations praise Him, or should praise Him at least. Right. Yeah, and I think it can go. I think it's a it's fear. The English word doesn't do enough credit to the right emotion, right? Because there is that aspect of a healthy respect kind of a fear, but there's also the aspect of, you know, like we were reading last week, um, the 
prophets that spoke to God, that kind of next level fear that makes you cower, right? Mm-hmm. That like these amazing, astounding things in nature that didn't frighten Elijah, but then the soft voice of God made him hide his head mm-hmm. uh, last week. That it's there's also that kind of primal fear that we have as well when facing something of such absolute power. Mm-hmm. And I think, I feel like, not, not that I'm thinking about it, that kind of stems from, like, in the face of such power, you have, like, no control over the world, right? Like, at that moment, everything is up to that power. Right, right. And, and nothing else matters because to you, right? The only thing that matters is that power because everything else is completely dwarfed next to it, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's nothing else to be concerned about or frightened of at the time mm-hmm. um, which is amazing in a sense of the word that you could encounter something like that right because I mean I've never been in a position of that level of fear where mm-hmm. there's only this one thing is my entire universe right it's the only thing I can think about I'm so afraid of it mm-hmm. um, but it almost sounds like a good thing to like you know people talk about in the old testament what a blessing it is to encounter god right and encountering him in that regard does seem kind of like a blessing even though it's frightening because it's all you can think about is god and it's the only priority and that just sounds like the right mindset to be in (laughs) right but hard to channel that mindset out of context yeah and I think you're right, though, because like, like, in that moment, the amount of focus you have on God would be immense, right? Because if, if th- that is the one thing in your life, like, I think like, that's, that's a kind of clarity that I don't think you would get in a normal day situation. Yeah. What did you think of the second reading? Let's see. I think... This is kind of, it's, it's, it's being kind of like of the church for all, but it also has this idea of mercy for those that have made mistakes, right? I think, like, especially in the second part, just as you once obeyed, disobeyed God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience. So they now disobeyed in order that by virtue of the mercy shown to you, that they too may now receive mercy. And it's like, it's just a really nice reminder that, we are called to be merciful and for, and forgiving, even though it seems like our human nature is to um, really, I guess, dog on those that mess up or disobey. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the more we study these readings, the more I find myself liking Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really thought this was an interesting perspective that he has. Um, Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I glory in my ministry in order to make my race jealous and thus save some of them. So he's, as a a Jew, he's talking here about how the Jewish peoples had rejected Jesus. And basically his plan 
<laughs> is is to convert as many Gentiles as he can to the way of Christ, so that his his own race, his Jewish brothers and sisters, will see their grace and unity with God and be jealous and then accept Christ. Mm. And it's kind of this roundabout thing that he gets at in what you read too. Um, so they have now disobeyed in order that by virtue of the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. So basically that is like the the Jewish people's un- dis- uh, unacceptance of Jesus and disobeying in that regard that led to Jesus's crucifixion is ultimately what allowed Jesus to open the gates of heaven for all of us mm-hmm. and every single person, not, not just the Israelites, um, but all the Gentiles as well. And so the Gentiles have been shown mercy because of the disobedience of the chosen people, the Israelites, and they've now disobeyed so they're now in need of the mercy as well, and they're going to receive it through the mercy that's been shown to the Gentiles. It's just this very <laughs> roundabout logical path that he goes on um, that took me a few times reading through it to understand what exactly he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it very interesting, just a very interesting perspective, right? Because it's the very early days of Christianity. And so Paul probably sees himself as as a Jew because that's his heritage and that's his mm. people. Um and in his mind I'm I'm guessing he thinks that the the proper Jewish people would be Christians. And he's mm-hmm. not separating the two, right? No, no, no. And no. so he's trying to save <laughs> the other Jewish people by making them jealous. And it's just it's so it's such a strange perspective that I would have never put myself in had I not read this reading. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting, like because it seems like Paul is like it's just like using every single tool and reasoning at his disposal to save the lives of those around him. Like um, he thinks of self-sacrifice in the past readings we read, and then kind of like what you said here, this kind of make people jealous so that they come back but they weren't really gone but just led astray kind of thing and it's just like it it shows how much thinking he has put into this right and like the blessings he has received to kind of help him on his mission yeah yeah it's just it's it's very very interesting (laughs) um and i i was reading just the chapter around this um and he talks about just before this excerpt for the reading, um, he says, um, where should I start? So also at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. I think he's speaking about the Jewish Christians, the initiators of the Christian religion here, mm-hmm. the, the remnant. But if by grace, it is no longer because of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel was seeking, it did not attain. The elect attained it. The rest were hardened. So he's kind of talking about how the early Christians attained what Israel was seeking, but the rest were hardened against it and hardened to the point of rejecting Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
and it just it's just very very interesting right that i think most modern peoples think there's a very definite difference between christianity and judaism right where mm-hmm. christianity came out of judaism um but they're different religions right yeah. and this perspective paul has is that while he's an early Christian and a founder of Christianity, he's also Jewish, right? And so it kind of, it shows that bridge, right? Uh, the branching off. Um, and I, I really found that interesting. He, he talks later in this chapter about um, the Israelites being a tree, and then the Israelites that reject Jesus are dead branches that broke off, and the Gentiles that he's now converting are branches from an olive tree that are being grafted on, and that they should never be contemptory towards the Israelites because they are the trunk that is supporting them now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just an interesting idea of where our roots come from. It's it's also interesting to, to like kind of when you think back about it, it's like the intention of the early founders of the church weren't to create a, an entire new religion, right? Like the idea was to grow upon what exists and adjust it for like the new kind of revelation that they ran into. And it, right. it's it seems like for some reason that it didn't go that way, right? Because nowadays we we do have a really diverse split between uh, Judaism and the kind of like the animosity between um, Ju- um, Jews and Christians is also kind of like has very it's not like violent anymore but it has like high tensions right right and I think that is basically this point that Paul is at where it's that rejection of Christ right that's mm-hmm. the that's the trigger point that separates um what we now consider modern day Judaism and Christianity. Um, And so, yeah, it is like, that's something that we're aware of that we know in today's world. Um, And we know that before Christ, it's easy to put ourselves in the place of before Christ where, Mm -hmm. you know, the chosen people are the Israelites, but it's this like bridge area. That's very interesting because it's like, it's where that rift appears. Right. And that's why I find this particular chapter in Romans to be so interesting because Paul is talking about that exact rift. Mm-hmm. But I also, it also like links really well with the first reading because we kind of see that connection, right? To like what you said, the, the, the foundation of a universal church. Cause right here mm-hmm. it's just like, they're bringing in Gentiles, right? Like they want everyone is uh, part of the ministry, not just um, Judaism. Right, right, definitely. And and also it's to this reminder not to forget that, you know, while there are Jews that rejected Christ, they also still have the chance at redemption, right? Mm-hmm. And that's Paul's ultimate goal here. <laughs> He's converting Gentiles to get them to realize the truth. Um, and so it's not, it it is for all people, um, and not just like, okay, now it's Gentiles, right? Because the Jews reject Jesus. No, that's not correct. It's, he wants everyone to be brought to Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think like that, that's a that's a really good point, right? It's like he's not saying we're ditching the Jews and just only the Gentiles, right? It's like you said, bringing in the Gentiles, and it it's like, and I, I think you're right though. You kind of see like the the, the tension that he's kind of facing here, right? He wants he wants to bring in the Gentiles to show like the I guess like the harmony and like the the wonder, the or I guess like the beautifulness of what they're trying to set up, and it seems like they're being rejected so he and and he like i think with a lot of the founders is like they're not trying to do it through violence right they're trying to show people joy that they can get and then they want to bring them in via that joy right and a part that they left out in the middle of this reading um the lines starting at verse 25 paul talks about this um I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, so that you will not become wise in your own estimation. A hardening has come upon Israel in part until the full number number of Gentiles comes in, and thus all Israel will be saved, as it is written. So he's talking about how Israel is currently hardened, but ultimately will be saved. Mm Mm-hmm. The Deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away godlessness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. In respect to the gospel, they are enemies on your account. But in respect to election, they are beloved because of the patriarchs. For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. So it's kind of this reminder of that we are preaching a different gospel than Judaism. Mm-hmm. And we're calling them out for the fallacies in their own belief system, but we have to still understand and acknowledge their position as the patriarchs of the church. They're the initial race that God chose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just a good way of thinking about it, right? Because it's we're not called to be hateful. We're called to be a light to the nations, right? And mm-hmm. and while there's been a hardening on the house of Israel, we're called still to be a light to them, even more so, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like the, the idea is like, yeah, it, it's not it's not supposed to be a clean cutoff, right? We're supposed to um, pay respects to the like foundations, like the tree trunks mm-hmm. you were talking about, and and I think. That stepping away from that is causing, like, I mean, like, or forgetting that, I guess, is creating this tension. Yeah. Well, and and also, like, he says, in respect to the gospel, they are enemies on your account, and so it's it's kind of a tension from both sides, right? Like, the the Judaism is also very tense toward Christianity because they see it as you know we're the chosen people like what are you doing worshiping god and and oh you're wrong like jesus was a false prophet and all that right Mm -hmm. so it's it's we have to like take i guess paul is basically saying you have to take the higher ground here respect their past and be patient and lead them to the right path Is there anything else that you're getting from the second reading, or would you like to move on to the... Let's go uh, to the gospel. All right. 
Is it a D-stick? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my, my initial impressions of the gospel was like, it was harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you see that turnaround at the end that is like, I think, common. Because it, it seems like God is always willing to give people chances. and They just have to take it, right? He's not going to do it for them. It's, it's mm-hmm. all on you, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, did, it did seem harsh to me as well. I mean, he's calling this Canaanite woman basically a dog compared to the Israelites. And her response is this humility that he recognizes and he tells her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Um, and I think that's kind of what Paul is getting at in the previous reading about, you know, respecting the patriarchs, right? The beloved patriarchs is respecting that place that God has given them and the place that you're in. And when you come to God open in your faith and just trusting in him, then he responds accordingly, right? And it shows even more so how the church is universal and for all people. Um, but yeah, I, I also thought it, seemed, it kind of comes across as very harsh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning. But I think it's, it's I think like one of the lines is, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then, which kind of like, it shows us that kind of mindset that we were talking about earlier before, right? Is that this idea that the people of Israel are the chosen people and that they're guarding that jealously. Right. And I think the human aspect of Jesus kind of comes through here. But then I think you notice as the reading goes on, he like he doesn't stick to it, right? He he bends it a little bit and um cures the woman's daughter. Right, right. And when it's it takes that level of faith from the woman for him to come to that. I, I agree. Um Yeah, it is <laughs> It is an interesting, interesting gospel. And, you know, I don't know that I could have had the faith that this woman has, right? Because you go to this, you think about it like in the context, you know, your daughter is sick and you go to this prophet that's been healing people and his response is to call you a dog. Mm. Then it's like you just kind of go away depressed, right? But this woman sticks to it. And that's the cool thing. Um that she has that level of faith. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, the faith you're talking about, right, is this idea that, like, she believes that God has the power, right? And it's kind of going back to, like, the, the, that fear part from the psalm, but it's, like, this idea that, she, like, she truly and firmly believes that God has the power to heal um, her daughter. And for her, it's, I guess, like, kind of like what you said, being called a dog is okay, but um, she's showing faith and trust that the God that Jesus represents is merciful and caring. Right, right. And even that his power, the scraps of his power that fall from the table are enough to cure her daughter, right? Mm-hmm. She has this faith that his power is so great. It's, it's kind of like, 
when you think about it, like having that much faith and trust and like the, I guess, scraps of um, his power is actually kind of makes you like wonder what like what she thought that the full aspect of his power would be like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if if like she is saying that her daughter has a demon in her mm. and the scraps of his power can cast out, out the demon. That's uh she clearly has faith that he has quite a bit of power. Yeah. Shall I read the communion antiphon? Yeah, sounds good. With the Lord, there is mercy. In him is plentiful redemption. And I think it just tells us that there is redemption for all people. Mm -hmm. Would you like to close with a prayer? Sure. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for once again gathering us today to examine your word, to perhaps hopefully pull away the meaning that is meant for us in this day and age. Um, I would like to pray for the reminder that God's mercy is for all of us um, and for me to be humble and to remember that I am extremely lucky and joyful to be a part of this faith. I'd like to pray for us all to have the constant reminder that the driving point of our faith is to be a light to all nations. The prayers spoken out loud and held within our hearts, we lift them up to you, Lord. Today we'll be ending with a prayer for God's mercy. Merciful Lord, it does not surprise me that you forgot completely the sins of those who repent. I am not surprised that you remain faithful to those who hate and revile you. The mercy which pours forth from you fills the whole world. It was by your mercy that we were created, and by your mercy that you redeemed us by sending your Son. Your mercy is the light in which sinners find you, and good people come back to you. Your mercy is everywhere, even in the depths of hell where you offer to forgive the tortured souls. Your justice is constantly tempered with mercy, so you refuse to punish us as we deserve. O oh, mad lover, it was not enough for you to take on our humanity. You had to die for us as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.